Welcome to the Pitch It To Me podcast, a show about the subjective past, present, and potential future of flesh and blood design. If you're looking for hot takes and fresh ideas, we deliver in 60 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. Today's episode will be about Old Him, his departure from the format, and his eventual return. On Red Pitch, Joel will discuss Old Him's relationship with the fundamentals of the game. On Yellow Pitch, Fuzzy will discuss how Old Him fits in with the overall Metascape, and on Blue Pitch, Clark will introduce some ideas on replacing Old Him. You can find us across all socials, such as TikTok and Instagram, at Pitch It To Me Podcast. Fun fact, everyone, we're recording this episode on the day before Oldham officially rotates out. Bye. And since this is the last day that Oldham will ever be legal in CC, we wanted to discuss his effect on the game with the perspective of how he could be replaced in the future. And full disclosure, um, this will probably be more of a pro-Oldham episode. Um, It's a celebration of his life, not a celebration of his passing, right? After all, we do love Oldham, don't we, Joel? I do love what he did for my XP modifiers. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> I got a lot of um, yeah negative feedback from my friends for playing this hero. <laughs> I I really enjoy playing against him. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I was ever like angry at like getting paired up against Olden myself. Like, yeah, I enjoy the challenge. Um, I just know I won't eat afterwards, like in between rounds. You know, uh, yeah. That's the only thing. But in, the game itself is fun. Yeah, Oldham was one of the first heroes that really drew me into the game. I like the idea of playing a defensive hero. But the Oldham blitz that I ended up putting together was just pummel Oldham. It was just, <laughs> I'm going to pitch two blues, throw a four-cost crush attack, and then do I have pummel? I don't know. There's nothing that's, wrong with that, Clark. That's for you to figure out, not for <laughs> me to know. This is our first episode recording in a while. Um, we kind of took a little bit of like a solid month and a half off Mm -hmm. recording um, because our host Clark was off in Europe. Yeah. Did you have a good time in Europe, Clark? Europe was incredible. I could walk places. (laughs) Yo, that was so nice. (laughs) Walking places was awesome. What was your favorite part other than the walking? So like the highlight of my trip was that I got this really great fan experience in Berlin. Oh, bet. Uh, a company I really like called Six More Vodka invited me out. Well, like I I asked if I could come and then they let me come. <laughs> uh, but I dropped by the office and they're working on a new board game called Clan Wars. I think the Kickstarter is slated for like late August. Um, and they brought me in for like one of the early alpha play tests. It was so much fun. I got to go with another fan. I got to meet the people who have been working on this stuff that I liked. And I essentially just did playtesting for them for two days. It was such a wonderful experience. That sounds so cool. I love eat free, or uh, not free. I love early access to stuff like that. Yeah. Really awesome. It was so cool. And I'm also really looking forward to seeing, like, what do they change? I think a lot of the core stuff will stay the same, but, you know, it's the small little things. It's the wording. It's the specific effect on this card or that card or whatever. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I'm glad you had a good time in Europe and got to do something special and unique. Um, I'm also excited to get back to podcasting. Mm. Um, And let's start off with our red pitch. Joel, talk to us about Oldham. I never really played Oldham until after he got a a bunch of bands, like Winter's Whale being banned and uh, Pulse of Eisenloff being gone. But I still had a really good time while I rounded out my competitive grind session for ProQuest season. 
I just wanted to talk about what I like about old him and what he did for the game and how he embodied all the things that I like about Flesh and Blood. The first thing is I like the how he's true to the Guardian playset in the sense that because typically in Flesh and Blood, the blue pitch cards are usually the weakest, give you the most resources, but weakest in terms of power level or, you know, some other effect. Like if you're, if you're creating a resource token, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you're playing and you end up actually like playing your blues, it feels like you drew a bad hand, right? This is not quite where you want to be a lot of the time. Yeah. At least as a default. Not all the time, but as a default. Yeah, people put blues in their deck to pitch, mm -hmm. not to play. Right. Or it, like they're like a, a blue block three. They're like, it's for yeah, pitching yeah. first, blocking second. Oh, yikes. Don't make me play my blues. <laughs> or, you know, if you're playing against Oldham and you're down to your blues, you're like, I'm probably losing this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we talked about it before. The the resource cards that he has, like, for instance, Terra Sunder or uh, Macho Grande are really good resource cards. But towards the end of the game, they're just insanely powerful to finish off a gamer get a key piece of disruption off to continue your game plan and fatigue or whatever. There have been a lot of games where I was saved by like a perfect all blue hand with Terra Sunder and I get their last piece of equipment that they needed to win out the game or got some key cards out of their hands that they would try to kill me with anyways. So that's what I really liked about old him was that even though the game was going long, you never really seemed to run out of resources. So I really like the way that he embodied a lot of the fundamentals of uh, Flesh and Blood, uh, specifically pitch stacking. That was a skill that I had to learn as I picked up old him. It's not something that I ever experienced prior because I never played chain. All my heroes are usually aggressive. So pitch stacking didn't really matter unless it was against a very specific match. So especially when it comes to like pitch stacking, like command and conquers with pummels to get a really good late game oh, tempo yeah. swing. It's a classic, mm -hmm. classic old him stacking them. Pummels and Command and Conquers. Yeah. Last Arsenal I played with you, you hit me with one of those, and I was so upset. You mm -hmm. destroyed, I think, I had a Revel just sitting in a Revel in yeah. Room Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Revel. In <laughs> Not my Arsenal. That's where I keep my favorite card. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that night, I. Especially in that matchup. Yeah, that, that was a rough one. And I think that night, too, I got. Oh, a, you did it like the game before, too, right? I did it all four games. Oh, all four. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, got, I got really good at pitch stacking that one. The way you can just hide. Either the CNC or the pummel, and then it comes back later. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, I really like the way that it forced me to learn a new mechanic of the game that I n never would have experienced otherwise. And that's kind of surprising, too. There's a, there's a couple heroes, I would include, like, Kano in that mm, umbrella, too, sure. that, like, really reward you for exploring that element of the game that's always been there. Anyone can pitch stack, mm. but no one really has to. But then right. you get to play Oldham and Kano, and it's like, you pitch stack, and that's how you win. Right, mm -hmm. especially because a lot of the popular decks right now, they pitch one blue card and then you play like five others. So mm -hmm. it's like you don't really have to worry about that. And if you do, you're probably losing, you know, if you're playing your blues at least. I really like the card filtering aspect as well from Oldham. It's one of the main reasons why I didn't go with Bravo originally. Being able to draw cards in any card game is very powerful. So being able Heck to... Heck yeah. <laughs> and being playing a hero originally that didn't draw any cards unless I got really lucky, uh, going from that to old him with crown of seeds being able to like shuffle like arsenal just whatever like you don't need to be smart about it and just getting bailed out for free essentially and then you're turning that into advantage it was just a lot of fun in it and something that you don't get out of every hero and that's why he was at the top of the meta for so long uh and then also harping on that i just liked being efficient with my resources like i never 
really had to pitch for anything more than like one or two. So being able to pitch for, you know, Crown of Siege, Rampart, and then your hero ability or a staunch response or something. Um, and then being able to come back with a hammer swing and still arsenal. All of that was like very new to me. I'm like, wow, I have so many options. Like it's just, it was like overwhelming at first, but once you like get the good fundamentals of the hero, like you really just felt unstoppable. I come from uh, a warrior play style. So like I have really good block values as a whole and a good bit of armor, but none of it is like re recurring. Uh, whereas Guardian has still really good armor suite, but you're able to get consistent value over the course of the game with, you know, Rampart and Crown of Seeds. Just being able to like do that every single turn and still leave cards to be on the offense or add more to defense, like with Oasis or Spite or Staunch Response was something that, that I hadn't played with before. So it was, yeah, definitely overwhelming to have all these different resources at my disposal. Yeah, playing against you as well as a couple of other old hymns, mm -hmm. I definitely didn't like being on the other side of that. It For felt sure. like every single turn it was, oh, I'm going to pitch a blue, activate crown, throw rampart in front of your first attack. Mm -hmm. And that was that pretty much for any hero. Like, that was good against any hero, just about. Like, obviously not Kano. But it's good against just most heroes. It was good in most situations. It really just felt like most of the time that's what you were doing at the start of every turn. And for me, like, it's powerful, right? Mm -hmm. When we talked about our control episode, it was that offensive power through pitching is very, very important to playing a good control play style. But if it's the exact same thing every single time, it definitely felt almost more toxic than mm -hmm. healthy. Yeah. And, you know, playing against old him before I switched over, I noticed that like anything under five was not going through, especially if you don't go especially wide. Because at first, like you crown of seeds and rampart, you have one floating uh, left over and then you draw a card off of crown of seeds as well. So you can just throw that whatever card you drew in front of the, their first attack and you block five, not to mention your hero ability can bump it up to seven. Mm -hmm. It's really impressive, especially if you're heavy on individual arcane damage where I can just like pitch a bunch of blues to it, still block your physical. Like it's, I definitely didn't feel that pressure against Viserite in some matchups. Like you have to really play perfectly and s spend a lot of the game setting up to leak as much as possible against Oldham because if you were trying to do the most amount of damage per turn, you might leak some, but overall, if your power cards are spread apart, it's really hard to, to break through this hero. Yeah, I think the best turn I ever had against you was when I played two Revels back-to-back, -back, oh, yeah. and you just got stuck with two reds in hand. Mm. And I was like, oh, thank God he got stuck with two reds in hand before I threw Revel Revel at him. Yeah. <laughs> because before that, it was just, I felt like, there, there's no way I'm getting through unless I'm chaining together two of these giant power cards. Yeah, and that kind of boils into my next point. Like, really, unless it's, like, divine intervention, like, I really never felt like I was too much on the back foot or that I was getting blown out by somebody. I always felt like I had options because of my card filtering. Like, CNC would just had, like, no text against me, really, for mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I side them out against Oldham, which is crazy. For sure. Literally, like, one of the only matchups. You think defense reactions, Oldham... Can't play defense reactions. This is great. You'll cite in the CNC, but like he can just take out the arsenal, so it ends up not doing much. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I really liked, liked uh, Crown of Providence when it first came out because it just negates the first CNC. Yeah. But if I can do that every turn, there's no incentive to run this card unless yeah. you're trying to pummel it too. You know. 
I like that thought of never being on the back foot. If you have the tempo and you're actually able to like keep a five card hand with some of these big guardian attacks, you're definitely where you want to be. For sure. But if they have the tempo and you're just spending all your energy blocking, oh, that's also where I want to be. Like yeah. both are fine. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've seen this against Le Lexi specifically. Like they just have no arrows or one really bad arrow and they have to like spend, like just take an off turn, set mm -hmm. it for the next one, hopefully blow you out with a six card hand. It's turns like that where I'm like, okay, now I can, like, God forbid I have, like you said, a Spinal Crush, CNC, or Endless Winter or something. Like, if you leave me with a five-card hand, more often than not, I can really punish you with it. And also, at, at any point in the game, I can kind of gauge, like, okay, I've seen some of your power cards. You still have some left. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can fatigue you now because you can't stack a bunch of them to try and leak all this damage into me. Once you know, like, the ratios of certain decks or strategies, it gets really easy to threaten fatigue at certain points of the game. And that's what I really enjoyed because I've never fatigued anybody before, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really cool element of old him of like, oh, you need to know every other hero. Mm -hmm. I think when you're playing Fi, you don't always need to feel that way. <laughs> you can just kind of Ardivore throw 30 damage mm -hmm. and feel good about yourself. Um, and if you can do that in a hand, you just kind of take whatever you need to. Mm -hmm. But with old him, you really needed to be thinking, okay, where are we at? Yeah. How many cards have we gone through? Mm -hmm. What's the difference in our two deck sizes? Yeah. What's already in the graveyard? What's been banished? It's skill testing. Mm -hmm. For sure. And you, you, something you said resonated with me, like the deck size, I felt in a lot of matchups, like my life total did not matter at all. Like it was more so, do I have enough like blue earths, uh, blue ices, or just enough defense fractions left, or just gen generically more cards than you? Because if I do, then... A lot of my stuff can just go straight to blocking. I don't have to be as uh, stringent with, you know, what I'm using to attack or, or defend with. Um, so that was another thing that I liked about Oldham. So what Oldham didn't do, and I, I feel like this is most significant because I played him right as he was leaving the scene. He didn't really use a lot of elemental cards as much as the guardian cards towards the end of his like term or whatever. Really, the only cards that I had left in my deck were Channel Lake Friendship, or uh, excuse me, <laughs> Channel Lake Frigid. Channel Lake Friendship Ender. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a more accurate name for it. So Channel Lake Frigid. No one laughed at that, by the way. Whenever I play it, I go Channel Lake Friendship, and they would just be deadpan. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess it's not time for jokes. <laughs> because because that what's happening on the other side of the table is that... Is you play Channel Lake Bridget. <laughs> and we all look at our hands and go, just add one to every single card in the upper right. Just add one everywhere. And we just go, well, this hand's garbage. Yep. Guess we're blocking now. <laughs> guess we're blocking. Oh, you threw a Titan's Fist at me? Thanks. <laughs> Uh, I did think it was very funny. Thank you. <laughs> I only heard it in context where it wasn't appropriate to laugh, you yeah. know? Like if I'm watching someone else's game, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, true. I'm not going to be like, ha, you got hit by the channel, <laughs> like friendship. Isn't it cool? Isn't yeah. that fun? <laughs> Isn't that such a great card? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. <clears throat> so, yeah, he, I really only had Channel Like fr uh, Frigid, the Blue Earths, and... I think Endless Winter, which is his uh, specialization for specific matchups, mm -hmm. I kind of felt like that was lacking. Like I, I felt like I wish, or I, I wish I had played him earlier because I want I like the fusing mechanic. That wasn't really prevalent in Briar, and I don't feel like playing Lexi. So this was like my last chance um, to play here. I like that with that fuse mechanic. 
And his hearability felt more tuned to the control aspect of the hero and not so much dealing with the fusing aspect, like I, like I mentioned. I really like the fuse mechanic, and I wish he had more of it. It just gives more flavor to the hero in general, being able to use these interesting fuse cards. Next, I think I'd really like to hear from Fuzzy about what Olden represented in the in the game and what it will take to replace him or, or what it'll look like when he's gone. Yeah, for Yellow Pitch today, I was thinking about really Oldham as an opponent. I don't have a whole lot of experience playing Oldham, but I feel like he has a very like specific and valuable spot in the game as a whole. Like think about it, right? Like what does the game lose by Oldham rotating out and what would I want to see in a replacement? Because I don't think anybody would disagree that the game is going to be really different without Oldham in it, right? Mm. I do want to put a little bit of a caveat on this podcast. I'm not trying to make this the super serious, competitive, playtesting, like <laughs> grindy, sweaty podcast. I'm not. We're quite, not those people. Yeah. If, if it becomes that, great game, guys. Shake hands. <laughs> so long. I'm not. I'm not someone who does that. Hey, when we win Nats, it might be that way. Sorry, Clark. <laughs> I can put up with an episode. I can, <laughs> I, can, I can deal with your inflated heads for an episode. <laughs> inflated heads. But I think it's worth mentioning at least a little bit of uh, the competitive experience in order to set the scene a little bit for talking about what heroes are present in the game and what they bring to the table and mm-hmm. what you can expect from them, right? So we might like mention, like imply the presence of a competitive scene, but I want you guys to be thinking about how the game as a whole is changed, even at an armory level, right? Like when you're planning your deck, you always plan your deck against what the opponent has, right? There's a reason we have a sideboard, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe for like your first draft, you're just like, what is my game plan? You're trying to figure out your game plan. But there are decks out there that are trying to figure out your game plan too. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to have a plan B. Oldham requires you to have a plan B. Are there any other heroes that do that? Not any that don't exist in the game anymore. Dromai? Yeah, Dromai for sure. Yeah, Dromai requires you to have poppers for sure. Yeah. And like you have to be able to play around the dragons more so than just the single life total. I would definitely agree with Dromai. I'd also probably put like Arachne Azuri on that list too. Like when you're going up against- Azuri definitely. Mm -hmm. I'd say maybe Arachne a little bit less so, but also just I don't think Arachne is really being played. I feel like his play rate's really low. We had someone at our armory who was kind of championing him. Mm -hmm. And he played a very defensive list that focused on trying to basically fatigue you slowly by playing some nice nice on-rate four-cost things that guarantee that you lose a card with him as he plays it, right? Mm -hmm. Like these grindy decks where you can't just throw damage. If you just throw damage, you probably won't be able to win, right? You Mm -hmm. won't have enough to get past his slew of defense reactions, etc. So... I don't think Oldham is the only one. I do think he's the most prominent one. For sure. And he was the best at it. Yes. At forcing you to have a plan B, forcing you to think ahead, forcing you to think of the long game, because he's going to be able to stop you from playing in the short term, either with those little disruptions or just by full-on blocking out, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really valuable to have in a game. Like, that is depth. Yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning Oldham and his impact on the competitive scene, because he is a powerful hero and like dismissing that is you know kind of an l and also like you mentioned at an armory level you're going to be playing against other people who Mm. are on their grind for the next competitive event or just wanting to play powerful decks in general 
or they just like a specific cure and it happened to be the best deck in the format right now. So you have to, you know, get a really good understanding for the meta in, in general. And this game is designed to be one-on-one. One thing that makes Ultim unique is his ability to consistently fatigue. We've been mm-hmm. talking about this a little bit already. But I think fatigue is a very different game plan than the rest of it, right? It's literally just living, literally just not taking damage. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the game, your cards, like he swings with a hammer that swings for four damage. If my weapons, like my Kadachis only swing for two, I pitch to deal two, you pitch to deal four. Like if all of us only have one card left, you're going to kill me twice as fast, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, his blues are really consistent. So he's able to like actually play good cards at the end game where you're not able to. Mm-hmm. So him getting to that end game, his plan will probably be better unless you specifically like stack your deck like with pitching in order to make up for it or have other plans. Like I played Briar, I had a couple like recursion pieces that I would do. My plan against Oldham was basically if I can recur Channel Knight Heroic an extra time or two and play it four times throughout the game instead of just three, then I'm probably in a pretty good spot, right? Yeah. Like that was my plan is I can go over if he lets me live long enough to cast my key card more than just three times. I run just enough recursion for that. There was some other loops that like Briars were running to fight recursion. I want to shout out Dash for this too because Dash had her pistol package mm, yeah. with those induction chambers and plasma purifiers. She could fire off a whole bunch of damage, like 12 damage, without actually losing a card from her deck. She's just pitching a bunch of those steam counters and her pistol shots. Yeah. And I loved that dash. I got to play pistol dash against an old him once, as well as against that defensive arachne deck. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I mm. loved being able to play that. And the fact that Dash runs that, at least on a more competitive level, I'm sure you can build that deck regardless of who's in the meta exactly, but it's something that works well against Oldham. That's not necessarily the best plan in most matchups. And we're going to have less reason to see really cool decks like that with Oldham rotating out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think Dash and Briar were very interesting examples because they have something already in their kit to go long, like mm-hmm. Briar with Earth and inherit recursion elements in Earth itself. And dash with that pistol package just being like, I think it's maybe like six slots in total or like 12 slots maybe for the sideboard. And then the rest is your more aggressive package. Mm -hmm. But for heroes who don't have that, really the only way you can defeat an ultim that goes into the fatigue game plan is just pitching all of your good stuff. So you might be using your blues early on or or your yellows early on to pitch those reds alongside blues so that when they're running out of defense reactions because you still have on hits with your yellows and blues, they're just mm-hmm. not as powerful and they have to answer it no matter what. So towards the end of the game, if you have more reds than maybe they thought you did or they didn't pitch according to what you were pitching, then you can catch them off guard and leak way more than you're supposed to normally in that state of the game. Exactly. So you have these aggro heroes who can't quite go their plan A of just like vomit their hand every hand and just try to get as much value in on an individual moment basis, but they can switch to more setup. They can pitch stack, they can make a point of intentionally waiting to get cards together and then going all out at those times to get over Oldham's defenses. It's that shift of like, okay, I have to think about my turns. <laughs> I have to do big brain mode. <laughs> and Oldham brings out the best in other heroes by force. You have to be playing at your best in order to fight against Oldham. You have to do your flashiest, coolest, sexiest plays in order to get around his defense. That's why when you go online and you see like discussions about matchup, you'll be on like the Briar Discord. 
and they'll be like, does Briar have a good matchup against Oldham? And they'll say, well, it depends <laughs> on who's better. <laughs> it's all a skill. Seriously. And isn't that kind of what the game should be about too? Mm -hmm. Like matchups are cool. It's good. There are going to be inherent advantages that certain heroes bring to certain matchups. But you would kind of hope that in a game, you want the better player to win, right? The player with more skill when it comes down to it. And I feel like Oldham matchups are that skill testing, like essence of the game on a more ideal platonic level, you know? <laughs> and I mean, like Oldham is still strong, you know? Yeah. Like I kind of wish he wasn't the really strong, oppressive hero that you can like rely on him to be in the top eight, you know? Mm -hmm. But that also might just be a matter of the best players are picking Oldham and that's why Oldham gets to top eight. Yeah, that's where the best players are. And I, I've said it countless times before, but I, I still hold true that the testament to a good aggro player is how well you play into whatever control deck is at the top. So if you like really suffer against old him, I promise it's you. Especially if you take the time to play old him and understand what he's doing, the core of his cards, and like what threat density he has at any given time, then you will do better against old him and just as a whole. The one thing I want to bring up about Oldham that I won't miss is the going to time. Mm. When you go to a tournament, they give you 55 minutes for your round. Five minutes is technically for like sideboarding and like shaking hands and rolling dice <laughs> and shuffling. And the other 50 minutes is for actually playing the game. It's more loose than that. But you know Oldham is the only hero that actually uses all 55 of those minutes. <laughs> you know when we go to the end of the round and people are still playing, it's a table with Oldham at it. Always. How different do you think it would be if Oldham wasn't in the game, right? Do you think that like, because there'll be like these big seven round events, right? These big events, and those are going to take like seven hours. Do you think we could cut that down to like five hours, Joel? Do you think like seven rounds without Oldham would only take five, six hours? See, I get that going to time sucks. And I will say it's usually the aggro player who takes forever. Like me, my turns are easy. <laughs> Arsenal pass, go baby. Well, that's like, what I'm talking about. It's the game as a whole for with sure. Oldham in it. I'm yeah. not saying that like <laughs> Oldham players take long. Yeah. I'm saying Oldham makes people take longer. <laughs> for sure. It, but it also, I feel like if there's not a hero that does that, usually the aggro decks are running rampant and just blowing out everybody else. And I don't if, know if I want that either. You're yeah, right. I really don't. There was like, you know, Stubby's Fi, like abysmal matchup. So I'm I'm happy with a control deck uh, showing up here and there. So that's why we don't get lunch breaks during rounds? Yeah, well, I it? don't get lunch breaks. <laughs> you do. You play Briar. You blow somebody out with Force of Nature, Channel Mount Heroic. I'm getting to know somebody for 55 minutes the whole time. You watch them go through a whole emotional journey. Oh, for sure. The they five, show up all excited. They're shuffling their deck. They you say, you. I, I hold him. Five they stages go, of grief. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Like, they're like, oh, I've never played old him. I'm like, oh, my word. So just imagine if we got a lunch break after round three uh -huh. and everyone's well fed. Okay, here's my tinfoil hat theory. <laughs> I think everyone would play better. If they had lunch, <laughs> I think the quality of games in Flesh and Blood, the quality of play will go up. Everybody will be more happy with the way they both played. And then you get to see those games and they're like extra intense. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like because I can go pretty long without eating. And if they well, can. Well, I can too. <laughs> right. So we should just weed out the weaker things <laughs> and I'll get my easy win and go on with my day. <laughs> uh -huh. And I don't know how we could fix... Like, I want a fatigue hero in the game. For sure. I just don't want them to go to time. Are those things, like, do they have to exist together? I, Maybe they do. I would love to live in a world where they can be mutually ex 
exclusive because I like fatiguing. I like being able to run out somebody of resources of threat density, but going to time is just, it's brutal for everybody involved. And it's always awkward. Like, do we draw? Do I give it to you? Do you give it mm-hmm. to me? You know, just a situation we should, because I think they actually changed the way concession works too, because of this. Because uh, of Oldham. Because of Oldham. <laughs> like, do you realistically have enough threat density to kill me? It's impossible to say. We have like at least fifteen minutes of game left, but we're at time. Yeah, who, who can say? You know, so it's it's rough for sure. I'd really be interested in with the replacement for Oldham that eventually comes. Mm-hmm. I would be really hoping that, like, basically, this is my summary for my section. I would love a new elemental guardian to have a late game plan that forces other players to react to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want them to change their game plan to match. And I would want the games to go a little bit faster. If I could have that, I'd be like, LSS, you are gods. <laughs> yep. Um, I think I'm going to hand my section over, my the metaphorical microphone over to Clark for our blue pitch. And I'd like the viewer to know that they can go to the description for this episode, be it on their favorite podcast app or YouTube. And we'll have a link to a Google Drive where we have write-ups for all of these custom cards that we talk about during the episode. So you can get a visual for what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's all standardized. I made the style guide for it. You can it's see beautiful. the style guide in that folder. Man, okay. So <laughs> when we heard that Old Him was Living Legend out and we talked about redesigning the space, we went through a couple different ideas of designing the episode. Mm-hmm. We reconceptualized a couple of times and I ended up getting this section on replacing him. And I went through maybe eight or nine different designs for an Earth Ice hero. And I think it's because Tales of Aria has a really stagnant design space that I really don't like. Mm. That's true. We basically saw it from the one set that was like, what, a year ago at least? And Mm. we haven't seen any updates to it really since then. Not only that, but what they have given us doesn't have a lot of space in it. You're Mm. it's essentially you have an elemental class type card with fusion on it. And then you are looking to define those different elements. So for Oldham, it's Earth Ice Guardian. Earth has some arsenal synergy, some card filtering. It has some recursion. It has embodiment of Earth tokens, which we didn't see in Oldham. Mm -hmm. And so I started designing some cards with embodiment of Earth. They were all boring. They're good. Like, they're perfectly fine. I think it's especially good in Oldham because embodiment of Earth tokens turn your non-attack three blocks and to non-attack four blocks. And we know mm. how, power, how powerful we know how powerful four blocks can be in De- this game. Definitely. Mm. So I was like, wait, this is powerful. It's good. It's interesting. No, wait, no, it's not. It's not interesting at all. This is boring. <laughs> I looked at ice. Ice is all about short-term disruption to give yourself space for like your three-card hands. That's the idea behind it. I give you a frostbite token or I make you put the card on top of your deck. I make you discard or have some tax effect to mess with your turn. You know, maybe that just ends up with you not playing all the cards in your hand so you get to arsenal one of them. And then I get to come at you with a three-card hand. Maybe that's my C&C turn and I have findles for a pummel or something. Mm -hmm. That's the intention behind it. But, like, we've already kind of seen the ice design space really get rounded out. I've just mentioned lots of different tax effects. What am I adding that's new to the game? Or am I just Mm. recycling old concepts? Mm -hmm. And then if I add something new to this ice idea, I feel like I'm just 
putting too much attention into ice, giving ice too many controlling methods. And then that doesn't get spread out to other heroes, other classes, other types. Yeah, we want new ideas with our new old M. Exactly. And Guardian is just expensive attacks, finishers. It's just, it has disruption too. There's a lot of defensive options. And all of this, I feel like I've seen so much of it already. That old him encapsulated the concept so well mm-hmm. with what Arya gave us that I just didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, yeah. So I instead focused on one of the things that Fuzzy said. Fuzzy said, I want to win in the late game without going to time. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Well, that looks like winning in the second rotation. And so my first thought was constructing the perfect hand. We already have the perfect card that does that. It was an old him card. Does anyone know what it is? You said it's filtering? No, no, no. This is the card where you want the perfect hand, a.k.a. you pitch stacked these four cards together so that when you draw them all in one hand, you have the perfect hand. Oh, 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 oh. I think I know. Uh, Okanold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okanold. Earth Ice Fusions. Three cost. Have a blue, have an earth card, have a nice card. That is the perfect hand for old him. We already got the card for it. Mm -hmm. It's also not a specialization, so it gets to stay with whatever new hero comes out to replace the slot. Oh. It's not a specialization. I forgot about that. So I looked at, you know, fusion matters and this idea of like setting up fusion hands in your second rotation. Things like Polar Blast, So Tomorrow, Burgeoning, and Evergreen are all things that care about being in your arsenal, which is very nice for Fusion because the whole play pattern behind Fusion, as I learned putting together a uh, Ice Lexi deck, is you want to be playing the card that doesn't have go again typically, and then fusing it with a card in hand, then that card goes to arsenal. Right. So you really like having your elemental cards in arsenal was playing around with that space and went, oh, wait, I'm just designing Lexi again. <laughs> again, like, it's such, the, it, it's such a stagnant design. It was stifling me. And so I kept trying to break out, break out, break out. I was looking at interesting ideas like Old Him Ice React and putting that on different cards, that, uh, taking a card in your opponent's hand and putting it on top of their deck. Mm-hmm. I was looking at symmetric card draw effects where you got to create these embodiments of earth or frostbites mm. sort of using this rounds on me where old him actually plays like a, you know, he's big in that card art. He's a big mm-hmm. part of the story of that specific card. Right. I was looking at all these different ideas, but I landed on one that isn't exactly earth ice, but I think is very much in line with this fatigue going long strategy. I'm calling it epical. And what it says is that when you banish two other cards with the same name and pitch value as the cards you are playing from your graveyard, it gets some benefit. Wait, are you saying epic but epical or? No. So this is E-P-O-C-H-A-L. Oh. Epical. Like epoch. Epical. Yeah. So the epoch is like a very specific time. And that's Mm. because I created a very interesting concept for this hero. I looked into the lore. This is the first time we're bringing up. This is the first time we're bringing up flesh and blood lore on the podcast. And I was looking at, okay, what is Isenloft? Where is old him from? Mm -hmm. What is this region about? This is good because I don't know either. So in the Isen mountain range, there is an ancient city where the guardians once dwelt. They lived in this one bastion that protected 
the realm of Arya from the hordes of invading evil creatures from the void, right? Mm-hmm. Oldham was a part of this very old group of guardians who were tasked with defending Arya mm-hmm. from those forces until they all got frozen in ice and then eventually forgotten about until Oldham got thawed out through some magical way and he started roaming and being a hero. So I had the idea of, okay, Oldham's kind of on his own, kind of on his lonesome. He's the only one traveling around. Certainly he's inspiring people. Mm. Oh. So my hero is Esmond, Summit Seeker, Earth, Ice, Elemental Guardian. He is all about climbing up the mountain, ascending up to Isenloft, going to that old ancient place and starting the order back up again. Wow. We love a, what is it, coming of age story? Coming of age story, yeah. yeah. Just growth, learning. I was very inspired by some of the stories that were told in Legends of Runeterra around Targon. Mm. Uh, Through multiple cards, they tell the story of this one specific climber who goes from just being, you know, some young baby face at the base of the mountain till at the top where he is like communing with the gods. Right. I sort of had that idea in mind of this person climbing up the mountain, gaining this experience. In terms of the epical keyword, the idea is that he has learned the cards through blocking or playing them when they're in the graveyard. And so when he plays that third one, he has learned from his other two experiences. So they get some benefit. That's cool. That is. Okay. So you're saying like, if I have two Terra Sunders, then the third one would do something that the other two didn't. Is that what you're saying? Yes. But this would be a keyword on cards. It wouldn't be granted to cards without the keyword. Oh, I see. I see. It would be a new mechanic that the uh, hero would be built around. But it rewards you for having or getting through your deck quicker having things in the in the graveyard and then and it rewards you for pitching them oh and only pitching one of them one or two of them right Mm -hmm. you don't want to keep the card no you want to play the cards you want to block with the cards Mm -hmm. you want them to end up in your graveyard so that when that third one comes around you can play it and get some effect for it i like that because it is late game but it's not quite fatigue you're rewarded for having cards in your graveyard instead of your deck but you still get this really nice late game benefit i like that a lot yeah So in terms of what is printed on his hero card, the idea was each time you successfully fuse an elemental guardian card, create an ascent token. Now for the ascent token, I was imagining these as token that like tell the story of his ascent as he climbs up the mountain, Mm -hmm. as he grows and learns, maybe like one of them is him almost slipping off a cliff or something like that. A series of cards of his journey on different ascent tokens. Yeah, just different arts. That'd be really yeah. cute, like a whole bunch of little different arts. Yeah, yeah. I and love then that. once you get to the fifth one, there'll be five of them. Mm-hmm. Once you get to the fifth one, you can, as an attack or a defense reaction, spend all five to sink a card. You can take a card from your hand or arsenal, put it onto the bottom of your deck, draw a card. Oh. Card filtering and getting to that second cycle quicker. That was sort of the whole idea that I was playing on. Get to that second cycle faster. Get to those perfect hands faster. Find something irrelevant, draw to the cool stuff that you want. Yeah, or even just, hey, big attack is coming in. I need a defense reaction. Or even just like, oh, this Kano's popping off and I'm stuck with a red in hand. I can blow these five tokens to go find it. And I will say, I do love new tokens. I like when they create new tokens for different <laughs> things. So just that itself makes me really excited for it. I do yeah. think your idea is really cute. I feel like people are just going to take one of the tokens and put a die on it. 
But oh yes, that seems so <laughs> but then everyone will have their favorite art, right? Like yeah. maybe there's like one art that has like a kitty cat in the background, and people are like, "Oh, yep, I'm playing the kitty cat." <laughs> yeah, there can be different like arguments within the Esmond community <laughs> of like who had who's which ascent token is the best. <laughs> yeah, um, for a signature weapon. I was looking for it to sort of be an echo of Winter's Whale while not being broken like Winter's Whale. R.I.P. So this one is called Lore Lost Hammer. The idea uh, is, oh, this is just some hammer that he found while climbing, but it's actually this old ancient weapon wow, of Olin's so Guardians. Cool. Right? Like, he didn't realize what it was when he picked it up. Yeah. But it is this ancient, powerful oh, thing. Man. If this isn't a card, <laughs> make it a movie. This sounds dope. <laughs> yeah. So, once per turn action, pay three to attack with it, four power, just like Winter's Whale. Mm -hmm. uh, but now it says, if an elemental guardian card is pitched this way, it gains... If this hits a hero, create an Ascent token under your hero's control. Ooh. So it helps you get to those Ascent tokens a little bit faster. Maybe it lets you do something without having to fuse in those like really defensive games. Mm -hmm. I also want to point out that that fuse ability, the reason why I have it is to reward the old him actually playing cards instead of just pitching every single goddamn turn. <laughs> <laughs> like every single turn you're just pitching is really annoying to play against. Mm -hmm. Here you are actually rewarded for for playing and fusing your cards. Playing cards, holding cards in hand, like there is value in it. Mm. Also note, you cannot fuse with a card that you can then pitch to activate your lore lost hammer. Because all oh. of your fusion is earth or ice cards. Oh, and you have to pitch elemental guardian cards to get the hammer. I, yep. I like this incentive a lot to make people play with the elemental guardian cards. Because um, like I said, that is what I felt was missing with old him. I love fusing with Endless Winter, Mulch, whatever. So seeing more of this in a hero, I think... Yeah, I'm all, I'm all aboard. It was also an idea of mine that Oakenold would create two because you technically earth fused and ice fused it. Oh, so you ooh. would get two ascent tokens to reward uh, playing into the to the double fuse. Maybe they would print some more double fuse cards to reward this strategy. Yeah, so maybe the hero ability would read for each card revealed to an, a fuse effect. You get oh, an ascent token. Right? Yeah, just to make it a little bit more clear. But I like mm -hmm. that idea. The final card that I want to talk about with this design that I've put together is called Ison's Ascent. This is his legendary specialization. Mm -hmm. Elemental Guardian non-attack action. I have it costing four right now. Okay. It would be um, it would be a blue because Guardian. <laughs> uh huh. And yep. there's only one of these. Checks out. And the idea behind this card is once again sort of playing into that idea of growing and learning over the course of a game. Mm. So with Ison's Ascent, it would essentially have three phases. The first time you play the card, it has an underrate effect. And at the end of playing it, you put it on the bottom of your deck. Okay. The second time you play it, it's an overrated effect. You get rewarded for going through your entire deck and having a turn where you can still block and play something that costs four. Costing mm. four means you're either spending a blue and a find all's trigger or you're spending two cards and playing it. Three mm. card hand, right? Mm. Again, sort of putting a little bit more of like, you need to be putting together nice cards to be able to do this stuff. Right. And then the third time you play it, I want a game winning effect, and then it banishes. So does this card have like, go again, or like does it, you said it uh, goes to the bottom on the first cast, so the second cast, where does it go? Graveyard. 
Oh. So you have to use recursion to get it back into your deck for the third cast? Yes. Ooh, okay. So I, I like that already because a lot of the earth cards like, care about recursion, so maybe you're playing into that pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. That's and the idea. And you have to recur pretty late, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because recursion early is almost easier, but you have to go through both cycles, and then like you're also having to pitch recursion pieces to go there after you play this the second time. Mm -hmm. Now, you can still play this two times and still feel good. Again, the second time you play it, I want it to be a nice overrate effect. I guess what I'm saying is like you play it once, and you can't remember it right away. Like You have yeah. to like pitch it and then play it again and then recur it again, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, there could be some spicy things about, you know, remembrancing it when you have, like, ten cards in your deck. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, maybe you shuffle it into that first hand that you draw. Or, like, forgoing your pitch stack, like, remembrance something else just to shuffle it so you get to the second cast faster. Sure. And I think that, okay, that's a little of RNG. Maybe it breaks the idea of the hero a little bit. But if they're being forced to run Remembrance to make that happen, and then there is some RNG included as well, mm -hmm. I think that's at least a little healthy. Y yeah, because Guardian itself is a very consistent, very, very good math inherent in the, 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 the design. So giving it more ways to be more consistent and get these you know really good, efficient uses of their mana, excuse me, really efficient uses of their resources is pretty dangerous as a whole. We've already seen two Guardians rise to the top of a competitive landscape. Uh, so the fact that this kind of makes you play towards the RNG, I think, yeah, like you want to... It's it's part of the journey, too. Like, not everything is guaranteed. So it's very emblematic of, of that, too. Yeah. I love some of these ideas, Clark. Mm-hmm. So, Joel, I'm curious, as someone who's played a little bit of Elemental Guardian, mm -hmm. what kind of a payoff would you give a card that's like, has an underrate effect the first time, but you're hoping to just cycle it back again, and every time you play it, you get a better and better effect? Like, what do you think you, what kind of effect would you expect there? Yeah, that's a good point. I always, yeah, I didn't, <laughs> like I said, I went through so many different iterations yeah. that like, I just couldn't oh, I get around to writing the text. You did such a good job, Clark, I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, for this hero, you know, I think for the first effect, like maybe it's like, I don't know, get an embodiment of Earth because that's boring, right? Or you get like you gain like three life or something. Maybe two embodiments because the way at least it's costed right now, it mm -hmm. costs four resources to play and mm -hmm. it doesn't have go again. Yeah, I think like you could get like two embodiments and it would still be fair. You know, yeah. you get to have a really defensive turn, assuming you draw a bunch of non-attacks. Mm -hmm. You might not even draw non-attacks. Like you might want something else. You know, sure. Mm -hmm. Or maybe maybe it's an entirely different token in general, like just something that buffs your block value. Like there's uh, a card called Stonewall Confidence that buffs yeah. your your uh, attack Guardian. actions. I think it's specifically Guardian attack action. Confidence. Yeah, exactly. And so th maybe that's a way you can reward yourself, like just the next turn you're blocking more. I think this would be really cool as an aura that repeats itself. Oh, you know, yeah. The I first time you play it, it's like the guardian auras stay around for one turn mm -hmm. and then they pop and mm -hmm. go to graveyard. Mm -hmm. So maybe this one does something like that. It stays around for one turn, buffs your next attack by something small because it's the first time out. You know, he's still learning how to like buff himself up. Mm -hmm. And then like the cycle comes around and he's able to have it, it's a big boost, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe the first time you cast it you it's an aura and you either like gain i don't know three or four life or, sure. or you make your next turn like really defensive and then the second time okay so now it goes to the bottom you've seen it once again 
So what's a good effect? Like maybe, hmm. I mean, I very much wanted to emphasize with this Ooh. hero. <laughs> Sorry, I got a really good idea, but I want you no, to finish no, no, that yeah. thought. <laughs> um, I really want to emphasize more of the idea of learning and strength and like endurance more so than like running to those earth and ice roots. Cause again, I just feel like those ideas are so played out and mm-hmm. simple. They're the easy answers, but as a designer, I don't like the easy answers. I like digging a little bit deeper. Um, I know what I want the game winning effect to be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Increase intellect. Oh, like a, either a permanent increase or a temporary, very large, like for one turn, you have eight intellect. I actually have a adjacent idea, but I want, mm. I want to hear yours fuzzy. Um, that was better than what I was about to say, but <laughs> I was thinking like, at least for the second time around, you could have it be like, draw two cards. Like um, again, with this aura idea, mm-hmm. like this aura, when it pops the second time you played it at the start of your turn, you get to draw two cards. That Especially is a- because we were pitch stacking to get here, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, hopefully we were, this is the second time we drew it. Hopefully we just pitch stacked to get it and we know what the next two cards are going to be and it rewards that planning. I was just going to suggest draw two cards as the second <laughs> effect. That's crazy. Yo. So, yo. <laughs> is, is draw two cards for four mana on rate? Um, with well, no other effect? Considering that it's not draw two cards now, it's draw two cards on your next turn, it might be on rate. So... Um, Actually, I think it should include the first effect too. So you'd gain gain four life, buff up your next turn, and draw two cards. Mm -hmm. And then, so this card goes to grave after that, and you have to recur it. So Mm -hmm. I want to hear your idea, Clark, but I think what would really be emblematic of Ultim and Guardian in general, and using, really utilizing the insane hammer that you found like you you thought it was like a cool hammer but it but it's this really ancient relic i think it should be like a towering titan type card where mm. you buff your next attack by an insane amount and dominate it uh so that you basically gain four life you buff your next defense uh or your your next block you draw two cards and then you give like plus 10 to your hammer attack and give it dominated or something oh that's very interesting I don't dislike that. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I mean, like, it's very Guardian. I Again, I think I was just sort of trying to shy away from a lot of the, like, commonly tread spaces. Mm-hmm. I do think plus intellect is nice. I've mentioned more than once here the idea of learning and growing. Yeah, for sure. Definitely so like that intellect idea. increasing. Mm-hmm. Maybe give it an on hit. So yeah. maybe instead of plus 10, it's like plus 6 with an on hit of increasing the intellect for one permanently for the rest of the game. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. I mm. think that'd be very interesting. I think that would also just be a good epical that's like, as an on hit, give plus one intellect for the next turn. Mm-hmm. But definitely playing around with intellect. Maybe that's too strong on Guardian, but I, I like the idea a lot. I kind of want to wrap up this section by sort of bring up another reason of why I like this hero idea so much, even though you're not really seeing the earth and the ice in the design of it very much. Mm -hmm. LSS is really lagging behind Magic the Gathering in one primary way with their card game. And I think it's storytelling in their cards. Oh. They are starting to do big moment cards. Mm -hmm. Uh, We saw uh, Regicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in Dynasty, mm-hmm. we just saw Spoiled in Dusk Till Dawn. We just saw Morlock Hill. Yeah, that was sick. Those are great cards. Love those cards. They're not always the most competitively powerful cards. They don't need to be. 
but I want to see more storytelling in their cards. I yeah. want not just story moments, storytelling. Right. And I think that this hero lends himself so much to storytelling. For sure. That that is what I want to see the most. I think I agree with you. And I love the flavor that this hero represents. I think the thing that makes it so different from the other heroes is that the other ones kind of represent someone that you can come across, right? Mm -hmm. Like Kasai is, you're fighting Kasai. But this Esmond Summit Seeker, like it's kind of feels like during the battle you are climbing the mountain instead of during the battle you are fighting the other hero that you are fighting against, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's a little bit of why I wouldn't see this printed exactly how LSS does it. Mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't quite fit like exactly the flavor that LSS seems to be trying to to like strike when they're when a game itself is playing out, you know? Yeah, and I think you're kind of talking about how most heroes, when they're old, they're already established, whereas mm -hmm. this hero is very much the journey, which I personally love. I yeah. love that there's so much storytelling with this hero itself. Um, I don't think it speaks so much to the world of Fab, but I don't think it has to either. I think it's just a really good design overall. Yeah. I mean, I also just want to put out there, you know, with the Targon, if any of you know uh, Runeterra lore, at the top of Targon, they end up becoming the avatar for a god. Where they transform. That's kind of into cool. into the champion. Like that's what happens to everyone once they get to the to Targon's peak. As so, redeemed? Um, question. Well, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I was inspired by seeing that particular spoiler the other day uh -huh. um, of a legendary card that can transform the hero. <laughs> um. <clears throat> But no, no, no! I would not be so brazen as to as to design a card for that for 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 my little pet project. Well, I love what you got, Clark. Um, maybe someday we could even like go back and flesh out some of our designs. I would love to see this like expanded along. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Design some cards for um, Epical. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. And I think the best way to say goodbye to old him is move to Arsenal, our last card before he gets banned tomorrow. <laughs> yes. All right, guys, it's time for our Arsenal Zone. Our Arsenal Zone is where we shout out a card that we've been thinking about lately, maybe on our minds, maybe a favorite, maybe one that we hate or love to hate. I'm going to start things off by letting Joel go first. Sounds good. So I don't play Dash, like, at all. So I'm really glad that I don't play a lot of heroes with, like, fragile equipment because that would piss me off. And that's because the card I want to talk about is T-Bone. Mm -hmm. Mainly... Yeah, I see your face. <laughs> Mainly because whenever I see T-Bone, I can't stop myself from in my mind going, T-Bone! <laughs> like, I don't know why. It just, it's, I don't know. It, I'm just quirky that way, I guess. But anyways, I don't know like what the ratios are for T-Bones, but I think you're for, if you're running anything less than nine, I think you're throwing. I just love the fact that I'm like, I'm forcing you to block with all your precious armor. God forbid you have something with blade break or temper. Mm -hmm. The first T-bone is really not a big deal. Yeah. Second T-bone, ooh, depending on my build, I can handle it. Yeah. Third T-bone in the same turn. My tunic, <laughs> no! <laughs> this is also why I love Snapdragon scalers, because yeah, I can yeah, just yeah. be like, Lamau block for zero. <laughs> Cheap equipment are so good for that. Yeah. $100, $200 equipment dies to T-bone. <laughs> yeah, literally, Snapdragon Scala is the real homie. So yeah. anyways, that's my shout-out for the day. I love T-Bone as a card. I think Mechanologists, like, getting these, like, not necessarily on hits, but getting, like, these weird, like, decision points, like, that Impulse Wave Harpoon, uh, another annoying-ass 
mechanologist <laughs> card. I just love the design. I don't know. So shout out to T-Bone. Clark. I'm oh preparing. God. All right, go. <laughs> you, sir, across the street. Yes, you. You look like you're in the market for a brand new attack reaction. Come over <laughs> here, good sir. Did you know that for just two resources, you could play Pummel. Pummel. <laughs> it's a wonderful new attack reaction. It gives your next... Action card will cost two or more, plus four. Plus four, you say? Plus four. <laughs> and not just plus four, a relevant on hit. It makes your opponent discard a card. You want to punish all those pesky old hymns for running defense reactions? What about Arachnes? Dromize? Screw those champions. Run Pummel. No, Pummel's great. Love Pummel. I'm like building Viscerai right now, trying to like sack rune chance. We're looking at Vincent with yeah. second rune chance. Just these high <laughs> costs that I get to play for free. Mm. It's like, oh no, whatever am I going to do with these two cards in hand? Pummel. <laughs> and Spoilers Thor. are always fun for that. Yep. You get to look at all these cards and you're like, okay, but how can I run Pummel? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> oh man, especially in Vincent. Especially in Vincent. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, the cost reduction in Viscera and Vincent, like, such a cool design line up space. with pummel yeah, yeah they really do line up with lead the charge i've already talked about how much i love running that in my viscerai mm -hmm. yeah why is it that all the ex like the, the greediest deck lists also are the ones that attempt to use run pummel like <laughs> like azuri can already do so many things but i'm always like but pummel can also be one of those things <laughs> <that Azuri does. laughs> it's that it's that uh shin meme of the like i don't have room for pummel looks up at their blues or do i <laughs> <laughs> for real oh man yeah i've i've tried to run pummel in my bolton list too cuz the <laughs> bolting blade gets reduced by by four, hey. right? could be pummeled. It, it doesn't work. Anytime there's any attack over two that gets cost reduced, we're like, but pummel? Yeah, <laughs> no, seriously, it's so it's so addicting. No, yeah. but pummel, and you you don't get the same feeling of razor with uh, razor reflex. No, you don't. freaking pummel player sitting across from you with a card in hand and a card in arsenal. <laughs> I see you. I see you have pummel. <laughs> I see you're threatening it. But they're looking I? they're looking everywhere but the board state to try to trick you into thinking that there's nothing else that they're going to play. Yeah. <laughs> see, I just like telling the opponent that I could have pummel. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, card in hand or I'm like no cards in hand, two floating card in arsenal could have pummel. That just leaves one. All right, so for my shout out today, it's been a while since we've recorded, right, guys? Mm -hmm. A lot has happened since then. I actually got a new puppy. You did. He's so cute. And we actually named him Dash because I'm so into this game, I had to express it in <laughs> pet names. Dash is a great pet name. Yeah, yeah, dogs are named Dash all the time. He do be dashing. Yeah, my dog is a male dog, which I think Dash is a great name for a male dog. Mm -hmm. The Dash in Flesh and Blood is female, but that's not a problem. We're not afraid of like breaking the gender binary or tweaking it. Gender binary. Not on this podcast. So yeah. I wanted to give you guys a, I wanted to shout out <laughs> I wanted to shout out a dash card for today. Oh. And I'm honoring my tradition of signing two copies of my card to give to you guys. Let's go. My card is Overload Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I picked this card because it has dash right on the art. Nice. Yeah. It's a dash card with dash. So I'm going to unsleeve these so I can sign them. One for you. And one for you. Thank you. Cherish it forever. I shall. I can't wait to never run this. So <laughs> over. And I picked yellow because, like, my dog is a brown Rhodesian Ridgeback, and yellow is kind of like brown. 
you know, kind of. Yeah, a little. That, that, that's true. I mean, mustard can be brown mustard. Right, right. That's in the yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, Joel. I could tell. I could see <laughs> it face. Isn't red closer to brown on the color? We don't talk about that. We got yellow. <laughs> My apologies. Don't take your yellow freaking over. <laughs> I can't wait to get plus X where X is the number of times you have boosted this combat. Oh team. yeah, that's what the card does. <laughs> it's fine. They can see it on the YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, it costs two and it gets plus X where X is the number of card times you boosted and it co- it swings for four naturally and, and blocks it's a three. three block. Like most of Dash's stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but this items. one blocks for three, too. It does. I just, I don't know. I think it's so funny how I have to highlight the three block of any card. It's just so great. Pitch It To Me podcast is hosted by Fuzzy Delp, Clark Moore, and Joel Racinos. Executive producer, Talon Stradley. Logistics coordinator, John Farkas. Music by Dylan Holtz. Logo by Han V. Sound mixing, Christopher Moore. And last but not least, you. Thank you for listening. Please give us a follow on your favorite social media platform at Pitch It To Me Podcast. Stay tuned for some outtakes. Dash is a great word in general because dashing refers to somebody being attractive and then dash is also (laughs) running, right? But there's a hundred dashes at our locals always, and there seems to be more. They like, just multiple. Like, you look away for too long, they multiply. It's, it's literally it's Han. The, it's literally the hero that Han recruits people on. Yeah, it's easy it's and cheap. So annoying. Yeah. He just dogs on all my. Han's characters. just so cute and personable that he just comes up to you with his little button nose and he's like, "Do you want to play dash?" <laughs>